from Pacifica Radio in San Francisco, this is Flashpoints. I'm Dennis Bernstein. Today on the show, anti-nuke activists in California move toward taking legal action to sue the Nuclear Regulatory Commission regarding the multiple dangers of keeping the aging nuke plant online. That's Diablo Canyon we're talking about. Also, Roots Action co-founder Jeff Cohen has a message for President Joe Biden. Don't run, Joe. And Code Pink is out in the streets protesting the corporate press unquestioning support for the war in Ukraine and wars everywhere. All this and more coming up straight ahead on Flashpoints. Stay tuned. And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio, and I uh, do hope you will stay tuned for the entire show today. Obviously, we're delighted to have you along with us. We broadcast every weekday from 5 to 6 over the Pacifica Radio Network. This is your daily investigative news magazine, and uh, we are happy to have you along today. Uh, and we're really... Uh, Delighted and uh, relieved, I should say, to be joined by both Harvey Wasserman and Linda Seeley because they both care a great deal about what is going with San Luis, San Luis Obispo nuclear power plant, nuclear disaster waiting to happen. And the governor and really the bipartisan support uh, for these monsters could put us all in uh, grave Jeopardy and uh, take a big chunk out of the coast of California. So welcome, Harvey Wasserman, Linda Seeley. Uh, welcome back to Flashpoints. Linda, could you just say a little bit about the organization that you represent and how it came to be? Sure. Thank you so much for having me on, uh, sure. Dennis. I'm, our, my organization is San Luis Obispo Mothers for Peace, and we're, we've been the legal intervener in uh, matters about uh, that related to um, safety at Diablo Canyon since 1973. And we're still fighting Diablo Canyon after all these years. Well, you're, you're fighting it. And uh, I'm, I don't want to say this, but it does appear that this is a battle that so far <laughs> the, the, the people are losing. That's right, because we have such um, a corrupt uh, nuclear regulatory commission that is basically a revolving door between the nuclear industry and the um, commission. And so there's, there's no critical eye being um, used at, at the NRC to um, monitor the actual hazards at Diablo Canyon, and, and to boot, the Ill illegality of starting this, uh, of allowing the, the, the reactors to continue to operate beyond their license expiration dates in 2024 and 2025. Well, let's bring um, Harvey Wasserman into this. Harvey, you are a longtime anti-nuclear activist, uh, pro-solar uh, all the way. This has been a nightmare for you and uh, the work that you do. Um, tell us a little bit about why, why this has got you attention now and why we should all care. Well, I live in Los Angeles directly downwind from these two reactors, and they are absolutely falling apart. I would say that the number one threat 
to the health and safety of the people of California is the continued operation of these two reactors. They are basically junk. They're embrittled. They're, they're, they're cracked. They're falling apart. They're unregulated. They can't get insurance, for God's sakes. If, if Diablo blows up and you lose your home, you've got no recourse or your health or your family. You have no recourse whatsoever. These two reactors are, are absolutely unmanageable, and they are, um, it, it's a criminal act to continue to operate them. You know, the pro-nuclear people say, oh, let's just keep them running as if they're kind of unicorns that you can ride forever. These reactors are almost 40 years old, for God's sake. How many people listening in are driving 40-year-old automobiles? At least with your automobile, you have to get insurance. These reactors are not insured, and they are a detriment to the electric grid. They really harm our electric um, uh, supply in the state of California, and uh, there's, it's absolutely criminal that they're a- being allowed to continue to operate. Harv, you say they're, you say, just to play devil's advocate here for a moment, you say they're unmanageable, but it seems as though they've been managed nicely moving along. There have been no big accidents, nothing to worry about. Yeah, well, they review our radiation every day. Uh, it has been very well established that infant death rates are higher in communities where nuclear power plants operate. They never tell us the full truth. We And Linda, of course, uh, and the Mothers for Peace, who should be supported, by the way, if people want to help with this, go to the Mothers for Peace website and support the, this great organization. Uh, and like Linda, I have spent time in the San Luis Obispo County Jail. These uh, reactors are not, if they were a car, you wouldn't drive them. If they were a boat, you wouldn't get on it. They are, at, no matter what you might think about nuclear power in general, the issue is the health and safety and the uh, operability of these actual reactors. And they are just falling apart. For the last six years, Dennis, they have been phased, being, being phased out. There was, the deal was cut that they would be shut in 24, which is two years away, and less than two years away, and 25. And since 2016, they've been in shutdown mode. And now all of a sudden, the governor wants to turn around, flip the switch, and say, oh, we didn't mean it. Uh, all that maintenance you didn't do, all those things you should have been uh, upkeeping at the reactor, uh, uh, it doesn't matter now. We're going to turn around and we're going to keep them online. It, it's in- why did he do this? Why did he, why did he make this decision to go so pro-thoroughly nuclear in such a dangerous was- way? Does this have something to do with his uh, campaign that he's dreaming about to run for president? Yeah, there's Absolutely. a big push all over the country, the industry. We have 92 reactors in this country. They are all, um, they average 40 years of age, and the industry can't build more of them. And so they're pushing to keep these online, as Linda knows well, because the mothers are going head to head now with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And we want to, actually, I want to, I really, that's where I would like to go now. Uh, And Lynn, before we jump into, I know you've begun the process uh, of holding the... the NRC uh, accountable in terms of this context, but um, Uh just say a little bit more about 
what the mothers, you know, is there, um, what brought you all together? Is there something very special in terms of uh, the women leading the charge on this one? Linda? Um, oh, hello? Um, yes. yes. Yeah, do you have me? Okay. Yes, we um, got you, Linda. The mother, okay. The mothers have been together since 1968. We formed as an anti-war group during the Vietnam War. And then in 1973, we changed our focus over to um, the Diablo Canyon problem because it was a, the war was over, um, yeah, for the most part, and we, and then we had this huge threat in our own community, and we decided to become or try to become the legal interveners, and we became the legal interveners. We didn't know what that was, but we were our own lawyers for many years, and and along through this these times, we've built up a tremendous amount of support in our community and beyond our community too. Our support comes from actually all over the country even some places internationally because it's we've been very focused on this one nuclear power plant that's built on multiple earthquake faults and is as harvey says you know uh, the the maintenance on it is sorely lacking for over the past six years especially and dennis i wanted to say to you but you said well playing the devil's advocate, you know, this plant is run just fine, you know. Uh, yeah, but that's the whole thing with nuclear power plants. They run just fine until they don't. And when they don't, that all hell breaks loose, okay? So you can, you can fix problems. You can put Band-Aids on them. You can put, you know, substitute one widget for another widget which is what they're doing out there now. Um, but once a catastrophic event is triggered by something like an earthquake or an undersea tsunami or any number of natural disasters or, you know, also um, terrorism. Um, so there are many, many different ways that a nuclear power plant can can be harmed and when a nuclear power plant is harmed everything and everyone around it is harmed so that's why we've been fighting this plant and the thing is that you can't even though harvey also said it's illegal it ought to be illegal but the problem is that as i was saying before the nrc is so much in the pocket a cap captured industry in the pocket of um, the the nuclear um, industry that it it allows for that for the industry to make exceptions to rules and to do what they call workarounds um, and you know hopefully it will never melt down hopefully it'll never have a bad accident but why do we have to live with that? danger in our community all the time and it's not just a danger to our community it's a danger to the whole world actually so that we need to get it shut down but as i was going to say 
we have to approach the NRC from a very legalistic way. We just can't go and say, oh, this is terrible. You should be doing that. They'll say, well, see rule um, 50.12 section C. And they've covered the, the language in the codes of the NRC is so obtuse that hardly anybody can even understand it. So what we are doing with the NRC to try to stop this thing from going on is very simple. What it is, is this, that Pacific Gas and Electric has a written, has made, uh, have they made a, no, they have written letters to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. There are two rules in the NRC that are very clearly stated. One is that if you want to renew an operating license of a nuclear reactor, you have to submit a completed application for the renewal of the license within five years of the proposed shutdown date, okay? It has to be at least five years before the shutdown date. Well, we don't have five years, right? So the NRC has asked the... I mean, the PG&E has asked the NRC to make an exception to that rule. And then, just in case they don't, the NRC doesn't make an exception to that rule, the PG&E has asked the NRC to take, back in 2018, PG&E, because of the negotiated settlement to shut down Diablo Canyon, in 2018, they formally asked the NRC um, to shut down the application process for relicensing. That was part of the agreement to shut down Diablo Canyon contained in that. And so the NRC um, accepted that, that and put that application into, I don't know where, the wastebasket or, I don't know, the filing cabinet. Um, but it no longer, that application, the, the NRC has this thing called a docket, which means it shows like every single thing that's going on in the, at the NRC gets a number assigned to it. And those numbers consist, make up the docket, but there is no docket number for the application that was, um, qua, or was pulled out was died essentially pg&e has asked the nrc to revive that dead application pull it out of the uh, wastebasket start ruffling through the pages even though it stopped back in 2016 um they went and in between those times we have discovered a lot of seismic information with uh, different studies up and down the, the the coast of california and even though there's not been an environmental review on the plant since 1993 and the one prior to that was in 1973 so 30 years ago we had an environmental review and now they want to keep and in order to extend the license at a nuclear power plant, you have to have an environmental review. There is no time for an environmental review. So basically, PG&E is asking the NRC to do two things that are absolutely not kosher. 
in the NRC book of laws or whatever you call them, book of rules. And so that is what the Mothers for Peace are challenging. Uh, and it's kind of, I know, nitpicky. It's not grand or anything, but it's it's the law. It's and one way, the only way to come at it. Yeah, go on. It's one way it's... to come at it, right. And and hopefully, it, and the NRC, we don't know what they'll do. We've written them two letters. We wrote one letter in November and another one in December outlining these two problems. We fired a shot over the bow. They did not respond to either of our letters, the NRC. So because of our frustration with this stonewalling from the NRC, we had to file a legal petition. And if they don't respond to our legal petition, then we will have no choice but to take them to the um, circuit court um, and challenge them in court. So um, hopefully the PG&E will see the, uh, the logic in what Mothers for Peace is saying. And PG&E will understand that they are going to have, they'll be delayed in this license application and that it's not in their best interest to keep those reactors running. Of course, now that they've been given two and a half billion dollars in gifts from the national federal government and the state of California, from you and me, we gave them $1.4 billion to uh, get the plant ready for relicensing in a year and a half, an impossible task. And I'll say, I want to say one more thing that this order to keep Diablo Canyon open did not come from PG&E, as you know, came from our state legislature and it was pushed by Gavin Newsom. Okay. But historically, he's the one that he's the one. He is. No, no, no. He's, we now know that the man is dangerously, pro-nuclear he's put a lot on it it really it has to have uh, a great deal to do with this campaign i'm sure he's uh he doesn't move until he evaluates what's going on and how it's going to impact on its campaign we thank you for sharing that i want to just come back to harv because i can't we can't talk about this we can't talk about this unless we talk about solar which you know a great deal about and it's it must be absolutely maddening to you, Harv, to know so much about solar and the possibilities here and sort of seeing our children's future being sabotaged by people who have uh, short-term interests in running for office. It's outrageous, Dennis. It's beyond outrageous. Uh, Solar is here. It's with us. It's cheap. Much, much cheaper than than Diablo Canyon. And we get more, way more power in the state of California now from solar than we do from Diablo Canyon. And in the recent months, a, a major idea for deploying solar in the state has gotten a lot of traction, which is to cover the aqueduct and the canals in California with solar panels because it cuts way, way down on um, uh, the electricity use and also the evaporation. We, you know, we have some big rains right now, but... Solar panels on top of uh, the California aqueduct 
which is 444 miles long, and the canals in California, which are about 4,000 miles, actually, would be a huge step forward, not only for electric power, but also for preserving our water supply and cutting down on the maintenance of the canals. This is absolutely essential that we do this, even more than rooftops, certainly more than the desert. We don't want solar panels deployed in the desert. We want them on the canals now. And Diablo is a horrible uh, roadblock to moving forward with with solar energy. It, It completely screws up. The grid, and it, it is a very, very dangerous situation with Diablo. They cannot get insurance, which really should tell you something. And right now at Fukushima, Dennis, the Japanese government is poised to dump tens of thousands of, of pounds of uh, highly radioactive water into the Pacific Ocean. This will directly affect us, and it's certainly very akin to what has happened at Diablo Canyon. That accident, the, the Diablo Canyon is a, an accident in progress. The, and the Nuclear Regulatory Commission site inspector, Dr. Michael Tech, Tech told, the, told Diablo, told the uh, NRC years ago that Diablo Canyon cannot withstand a credible earthquake. And God help us all if uh, the earthquake does hit as it hit at Fukushima and take those reactors down because California will have zero future, not even a present, if Diablo Canyon blows up, which they very easily can do. We need to shut those reactors. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Harvey Wasserman, Linda Sealy, incredible work. Please continue to keep us posted and uh, come back again. And uh, we want to hear about this because this is an issue that uh, can impact on so many of us, and we care a lot about it. You're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. We're going to take a short musical break. When we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by Jeff Cohen, who is working with Roots Action, and they have a message for uh, President Biden. One term is enough. Stay with us. Across my thoughts and to blow my ship from cause I'm a kind of blazing I sail into shady seas And throw away the maps And then contemplate the map What tell me how hard can it be I see the sum of me and you Comes out equally on two Don't care what they say The magic number isn't three From Roots Action, old friend of mine and of this show, Jeff Cohen. Welcome back to Flashpoints. Great to be with you, Dennis. Good to have you with us. Well, Roots Action uh, is not uh, crazy about Joe Biden having another term. In fact, uh, you all are starting to put up billboards. You've got a campaign going, Don't Run Joe. Many people are going to be very angry when they hear this on the show and are very supportive. They're relieved that here comes Joe Biden. No more Trump to worry about. What's the problem? Well, 
when Biden defeated Trump, it was a historic achievement, and Roots Action was a big part of it. Uh, we had resources and staff in Arizona, Michigan, and Wisconsin, three swing states that Trump uh, was defeated in by Biden. Uh, racial justice activists played a huge role in in uh, Georgia and Pennsylvania. So the, the victory of Biden over Trump uh, in in an extraordinary way uh, can be credited to activism, racial justice activists, progressive activists, youth activists. Um, so we are, we're thrilled by that historic achievement of getting Trump out in 2020. But looking to 2024, we think Biden's a weak candidate. We thought it way before this current uh, uh, blow up around uh, classified documents in Biden's possession from six years ago when he was the vice president. We were saying it because he's a weak leader. He's seen as a weak leader. He's he can't even get things through his own party. Um, you know, they had the Senate and the House and he couldn't do anything about cinema and mansion. He can't use the bully pulpit. You know, the presidency is really a powerful position. And if you believe in these popular economic proposals that will help Democrats win election after election, you know how to go out there and articulate those issues. Uh, I mean, the biggest issue in 2020 and 2022 was inflation. And Biden doesn't know how to deal with it. You know, if you listen to Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren or Congresswoman Katie Porter down in Orange County, they were talking month after month leading up to November 22 about corporate price gouging and corporate greed. And that's the main factor in inflation. And here are the two CEOs that have admitted they're hiking up the prices because they can't. So our concern about Biden is he's not strong enough. He's not articulate enough. He's not progressive enough. He, uh, and we, we feel we need a stronger candidate if we're going to achieve in 2024 what we did in 2020, which is prevent extremist right-wing Republican from winning the White House. Isn't it also a problem that uh, he hires Democrats uh, just like himself? For instance, we've got an attorney general now who seems to be timid to the point of being afraid to deal with an insurrection and has waited so long that has uh, put other things uh, in jeopardy. You've got uh, an investigation about documents. Well, that's taken care of because now they all do it, uh, but they don't all try and overthrow the government in public but don't you think this is problematic with an attorney general who sort of has the perspective of uh, joe biden it's it's he's a weak attorney general i mean everyone knows that he, he was a he would have been a weak supreme court justice obama you know nominated him and then uh, mcconnell blocked it when mcconnell was packing the supreme court um, but, yeah, he's he's pretty weak. Uh, there's worse appointees from Joe Biden. I mean, Anthony Blinken, as secretary of state, is the guy who, when when Biden was the head of the, House, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, uh, and Biden was probably the Democrat who is most responsible for supporting the Bush-Cheney invasion of Iraq, 
It was Blinken, as the chief of staff of the House Foreign Relations Committee, that ran those sham hearings where they wouldn't allow weapons of mass destruction experts who would have told the truth and said Iraq is not a threat to our country or the region. It was sham hearings. Blinken has always been a hawk. He made huge amounts of money from the military-industrial complex in a few years before uh, Biden made him Secretary of State. There's Again, we, we you're on a progressive radio station. You're a progressive radio host. Most of your listeners are progressive. Joe Biden is not progressive because the base of the party is because the grassroots activists who work their asses off to elect Joe Biden are progressive. Uh, he's had to move a little bit in a, in a positive direction, but most of the reforms that have come out, which are hailed as, um, you know, that Biden's the second coming of Franklin Roosevelt, if you watch MSNBC or CNN, most of the reforms have been too little too late. There's always something weak in them. There's always something conservative or corporate in them. Um, and that's why we believe in an open primary. Our goal is to convince, I think it's going to be easier in the next month or two, our goal is to convince Joe Biden to announce, as Lyndon Johnson did in 1968, I will not be running for re-election. I'm going to focus on what's good for the American public. I'm going to get things done without a regard to politics or personal ambition. That's the announcement we want Joe Biden to make. And, you know, I hear from... Uh, uh, the Democratic establishment figures, oh, if there's an open primary, if Biden doesn't run, and there's an open contested primary, it's just too divisive. Uh, apparently, people don't forget what happened in 2020, which is the uh, Democratic primaries began with more than 20 presidential candidates. And when it came down to Biden as the winner, uh, everyone in the party united because the threat of fascism from the Republican right is very real. So, you know, there were 20, initially more than 20 Democratic candidates trying to be president, and the Democrats ended up defeating Trump. We can do that again in 2024. We're calling for an open primary. We want Joe uh, Biden not to run again, and if people want to join that effort, uh, it's don'trunjoe.org. What do you expect, and this is a serious question, if what do you expect from a president that you're not getting now? Are you unhappy with the war he's fighting in Russia? What do you want this president to be doing? Well, your yeah, I would have wanted doing? this president. Yeah, I would have wanted this president not to record break the Pentagon uh, budget. This is a record-breaking Pentagon budget, military budget, $858 billion. It's, it's far and beyond what any other country spends. Uh, and Biden just keeps pumping up the military. You know, every year, one of the few things that Trump said that was true is, I'm building up the military budget. I'm spending more on the military. Well, after uh, year after year of Trump bloating the military, Biden is now doing it for her st his third year in a row. Uh, and, and then Congress ends up appropriating more money than even the generals had asked for. So, I mean, that's a simple issue is cut the military budget so that we can have health care, 
so we can have uh, college debt uh, uh, canceled and, and affordable uh, college uh, and environmental cleanup. I mean, you know, you can't have guns and butter. It's been proven ever since Lin, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said that during the Lyndon Johnson administration. You can't have guns and butter. Other countries in Europe, they have free or inexpensive higher education. They have universal health care in our country. And Biden has done almost nothing to expand health care. Uh, we have tens of millions of people with no health coverage. And we have... Millions of people deeply in debt simply because they went to college. What's the major difference between our country and these other countries that have universal health care and free or cheap higher ed? It's our military, our uniquely huge military budget. But you can go through issue after issue. You know, Senator Schumer is not a left winger. He was pushing on Biden from November of 2020, cancel up to $50,000 in student debt for all students that have that much. And Biden resisted and Biden said, I don't want to make Ivy League kids rich. We sort of cockamamie excuses. And he waited and waited and waited. Uh, the fight for college uh, student debt cancellation should have been waged from January 21 onward. Um, there's just not enough going to renewable energy. And you know that uh, Schumer and Biden cut a deal with Manchin uh, when they got the Inflation Reduction Act, which did increase spending on renewable. You know about that side deal. You've probably exposed it on your show. The side deal with Manchin was they had to fund fossil fuel first or, or more than renewable. So, again, every reform is too little, too late. The base of the Democratic Party and the country wants real change. 94% of Democrats under the age of 30, according to a New York Times poll, want a different candidate than Biden to be the standard bearer for the party in 2024. We should listen to young people, progressive people, people of color, that there are these crises facing our nation and go slow, status quo, yes, no, incremental change won't get the job done. That's our critique of Biden and it's why we need a stronger standard bearer for the Democratic Party for president in 2024. That's Jeff Cohen. He's talking about Ruth's action campaign, Don't Run Joe. Uh, they call it a progressive campaign seeking a new Democratic nominee to represent the party in 2024. I guess that's the Democratic Party. Um, Jeff, I, I have to ask you before I let you go, uh, and I, I will also give you a chance to remind people how to be a part of this if they want to, but I, uh, you have such a, a powerful knowledge of the way the media works uh, and what happens. And I have to say that, you know, you, you all invented, I, I think, uh, years ago, the, you know, the journalist as the stenographer. Uh, but it seems yep. to me that we've gotten to a new level of uh, uh, journalistic stenography, could we call it, that is extraordinary. And now today, we're surely going to get a fair perspective from Jen Psaki. Is he, who is she speaking for? Is she the <laughs> spokesperson of the president of the, of the MSNBC or is it? The TCMSNBC or what? Well, I mean, seriously, just 
deconstruct this a little bit for us. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, FAIR, uh, you know, I founded FAIR, FAIR.org, has always criticized reporters, especially on foreign policy, for being stenographers to power, stenographers for the White House, for the State Department, for the Defense Department. What we have now is, if you watch Fox News or right-wing media, uh, I mean, it's like, it's golden, anything a Republican tells them. And if you watch MSNBC and CNN, even when it makes no sense, and a lot of times uh, the Biden administration has not made, you know, clear sense, it's as if it's just pure wisdom coming out of the White House. And you're right, the revolving door, you know, on, on both sides, the revolving door is those who were the official spokespersons for the Democratic Party then start hosting shows or, you know, they're the main guests on CNN and MSNBC. And on Fox News, it's the same, you know, it's that revolving door, the leadership of the Republican Party. And then you get a show or you become a, a host on, uh, on Fox News. You, what I think, Dennis, what Flashpoints has shown, what democracy democracy now has shown is that you can be independent of both parties that journalism is that partisanship journalism means you stand up for the public you stand up for the public interest you stand up for human rights you stand up for racial justice no matter which party is the offender and um, it's not about stenography the op- journalism is the opposite of stenography real journalism is publishing information that the powers that be don't want published that's what I taught for 10 10 years in journalism, uh, yes. uh, in my journalism classes. That's uh, the opposite of stenography. It's digging out stuff, whether it's Biden or Trump, it's digging out the stuff that they don't want covered. Yes, yes, I'm blanking on the very famous and courageous Haaretz Israeli reporter who sort of uh, elaborated on the concept of, you know, uh, we report on the, you know, on the institutions of power to the people as much as we can from the front lines, starting with the people who are most hurt by the policy. We don't see that anymore, do we? That's probably, yeah, that's probably Amira Haas. Yes. And the other great journalist at uh, at the other great journalist at Haaretz, I heard him on Democracy Now a week or so ago, is Gideon Levy. But again, yes. you know, what, no matter whether the Labor Party was in power in Israel or the or the right wing, the you know, uh, Lakhud and Bibi Netanyahu, those two journalists were holding power accountable, as you say. It should happen more in this country, and it does happen. But you have to be listening to flashpoints or, or democracy now, or you know, because you know the opposite of journalism is lining up with the leadership of a political party and do their bidding. So again, if people want to join our campaign, uh, and you know, it's it's a it's we're diplomatic. It's not like we despise Joe Biden, and you know, it's an effort to. Uh, move the country in a progressive direction, a smart direction. Our website is don'trunjoe.org or rootsaction.org. So, again, they can uh, go to the website, get all the information they need. And you you guys are, are already putting up signs. This is a, a, a visual yeah. campaign, right? 
Yeah, I should say we've run a 60-second TV ads in four of the early prime, expected early primary states, uh, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, Georgia. We've got mobile billboards around Washington, D.C. Uh, d- uh, most Democrats say don't run Joe, and it circles the White House, and it circles Capitol Hill. And today we had a full-page Help Wanted ad in the Hill newspaper, which is read by, you know, they distribute thousands of copies on Capitol Hill and into the White House. And we said there's a historic position available for articulate and principled Democrat willing to show political courage. Qualifications include a record of progressive advocacy, effective leadership, proven integrity, capacity to withstand intensive pressure from corporate interests and the Biden White House is a must. We ran that ad with a huge help wanted banner on page seven today of the Hill newspaper. And Norman Solomon and I were getting calls immediately from Washington journalists asking us about the Don't Run Joe campaign. This ad, this help wanted ad, looking for you know progressive candidates for uh, the Democratic Party for president, you know, we wrote, uh, Norman Solomon drafted that ad weeks ago. Uh, we had no idea it would blow, it would be published on the day that there's this media feeding frenzy, I would argue, an exaggerated media feeding frenzy over Joe Biden and the classified documents. Well. Well, uh, the group is Roots Action. We've been speaking with Jeff Cohen. Uh, as uh, you've been hearing, they've got a little action going in terms of uh, their desire. They've decided uh, that it's uh, time for uh, Joe Biden not to run. But do you, are you guys pushing a candidate? No. Uh, our, our belief is that Joe Biden is sort of a log jam. We believe there's a good chance he will announce he's not running. And then we're just going to push a, a open primary and, and let the campaign sort itself out. Uh, I mean, in the interest of disclosure, uh, Roots Action supported Bernie Sanders in 2016 and in 2020. Norman and I were both delegates to the convention that didn't happen in 2020 for Bernie. Uh, but no, we, we, have, we are not a stalking horse for a specific candidate, but we do want to open up the process and we believe the base of the Democratic Party, which is so progressive, and the youth of the Democratic Party, which is the most progressive demographic in our country, is people under 35. You know, we want to just open up the process, and we believe a progressive candidate will emerge, and people uh, can unite around that candidate. There are some very special people out there uh, coming up, uh, uh, you know, so it would be nice uh, to make room uh, for the future and for a vision uh, that uh, is unique and really does speak for the people. There are so many tragedies unfolding based on a failure uh, of both parties to attend to the needs of the people. I don't even have to mention the border, but, you know, um, it, it goes every which way. Uh, Jeff Cohen, we thank you for having the courage to take a stand. I know there are many people who listen to this show who think uh, this is a pie in the sky uh, and this kind of crap is dangerous because with uh, folks floating around like uh, Donald Trump, uh, we're playing with fire. You don't agree with that, right? 
Yeah, of course. Look, we are all going to unite against the right in November 2024. We want to open up the process and get a stronger candidate than Biden. If it's Biden, I'm sure people are going to be united to defeat Trump or DeSantis or whoever the right winger is. This Again, today, Norman Solomon and I have a column on all these websites attacking the media for claiming there are these things called moderate Republicans. We understand you have to fight the right wing. Uh, that's essential. One of the reasons we're worried about Biden as the candidate is we don't believe he'll be a strong candidate in 2024. In 2024, he's the representative of the status quo. It's not like 2020 when, you know, even swing voters said we got to get rid of Trump. We need something new. In 2024, if Biden runs again, he's the status quo. All right. Jeff Cohen, Roots Action, as always, appreciate uh, the good information uh, and also the uh, media deconstruction. We we always need a little bit of that as well. Please stay safe and uh, keep us apprised. Uh, Roots Action, right? They're, they're going to continue this Thank campaign you. in earnest. We sure will. Don't run Joe.org. Thanks a lot, Dennis. Bye-bye. And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. Well, Code Pink and the Code Pinkers were in the street. Uh, Nice segue. They were uh, protesting at uh, the San Francisco Chronicle. This was a local demo here in the Bay Area. Uh, And uh, we were just talking with Jeff Cohen, who's the master media deconstruct so it's a it's a nice uh segue let me just before we jump into this next segment though let me see if i can get this because they're onto something um roots action this is just hot off the associated press uh just read a little bit virtually everything was going right for president joe biden as he opened the year his approval ratings were ticking up Inflation was slowing, and as Democrats united behind his likely re-election campaign, Republicans were at war with themselves after a disappointing midterm season. But on Thursday, Biden's political outlook veered into more uncertain territory after Attorney General Merrick Garland 
Garland appointed a special counsel to investigate the Democratic president's handling of classified documents. Well, the document story now is a mess. It was interesting to me how MSNBC just followed along hook, line, and sinker. Uh, the The White House came out with the, oh, we just did this once. So MSNBC said, oh, we just did this once. And then the White House had to admit they just did it twice. And MSNBC just they just did it twice a little bit. And then the White House had to say, well, actually, there's a third time and maybe a fourth time. And we don't really know where all these documents are. So this is not looking good for the Democrats who... Uh, need to sort of pay attention uh, to what's going on in the world. Um, joining us is somebody who's helping us uh, do that. Cynthia Papermaster is a Code Pink organizer. She operates here in the Bay Area. They were at the San Francisco Chronicle, as I think I mentioned earlier. Uh, and what was your problem with the Chronicle? It's it's like the paper of record here in the Bay Area. And welcome, That's by the right. way, Cynthia. Thank you so much. It's, yeah, it's the largest newspaper in Northern California, and it has about 6 million readers. Um, and the Chronicle, um, like most mainstream media, is not telling the truth about what's going on in Ukraine. Um, for example, they don't say that uh, the conflict in Ukraine is a proxy war with Russia that the United States and NATO are carrying out, um, which is what's going on. I mean, <laughs> public officials have said they want to destroy the Putin regime, and the poor Ukrainians are, are carrying that out for us. They're, they're our proxy. Um, so we want the Chronicle to give peace a voice. That's what we call today's action. Give peace a voice, because the media is cheerleading for war. And uh, we just want to ask them, it wasn't a protest, Exactly. It was more just advocacy, just asking them to do the right thing, tell the truth. Yeah. Do the right thing and tell the truth. Listen, I want a, a message to the mothership. Could you put up the 800 number? Because I think, Cynthia, this would probably be a good uh, subject to take a few calls. Maybe some of the folks who you are. I, I watched you on. Uh, I was working as I was watching you. Uh, you were out there today in San Francisco. I can confirm it. I saw it uh, on social media. Yeah. So um, yeah. I know it happened. Well, I, um, yeah, tell tell us about the protest. Oh, oh, oh well, let me just, I'm sorry. Let me just interrupt and give the number out, and then I want you to tell me about the protest. If people want to call, uh, and some of the people who participated, maybe people who participated in uh, other states and other countries, the number is 800-958-9008. 800-958-9008. Give us a call, 800-958-9008. How did it go, Cynthia, today? Oh, it was great. Um, you know, Code Pink likes to have fun with these very serious issues, so we had a cheerleading contest we had the war cheerleaders versus the peace cheerleaders and uh, oh that's what you were doing i missed the beginning introduction (laughs) that's what we were doing and we had a contest going on and so and so the peace cheerleaders would do a cheer and then the war cheerleaders would do a cheer and at the end we scored the teams and which team do you think won peace or war um 
I know <laughs> my own bias. I'm hoping for peace. Well, that's correct. Yeah, it got more votes than the war cheerleading team. And the war cheerleading team, by the way, was c- consisted of the CEO of Lockheed Martin, James Taklet. He's a cheerleader for <laughs> war. <laughs> we had general. Uh, we had several generals in the group. Um, so whoever you would imagine is is doing well by this war. Certainly not the ordinary Ukrainian. They're suffering a lot. And then on the peace team, of course, it, it's a natural for code pink because we're already wearing pink and we're already cheerleading for peace. So, yeah, it was a great it was a great action. We tried to bring something inside the building. Um, we had written messages to the Chronicle on a big scroll of paper, and then we rolled it up and we tried to go inside to deliver it. And the security wasn't having any of that, <laughs> so, so we did not. No proceed. deliveries. But, no, but this is the kickoff day of a whole week of actions uh, from the Peace in Ukraine Coalition. The Peace in Ukraine Coalition is a national, international group, and there are about 80 different organizations in the coalition. And we're doing actions all this week all over the country to uh, call for peace in Ukraine, ceasefire negotiations, diplomacy, and the threat of nuclear war. Yeah. The number is one eight hundred nine five eight nine zero zero eight. Do you, you know, I have to say that sometimes, uh, even if I go out there and I put my body on the line, I almost always sort of feel a little foolish. Um, mm-hmm. I believe in what I do, but um, what do you think drives you to go into the street? Do you think it really makes a difference? Sometimes you even get arrested. Are these things worth uh, getting arrested for, for you, in your perspective? That is such a great question, and I ask myself that question all the time. What's the best use of my time? What's strategic? Um, and I am kind of in this routine of I, I go and I organize actions. And I like us to be visible. I like, actually, I like the voice of peace to be visible to people because you're not hearing very much, you know. Um, so there's one reason why. And it's also the camaraderie of working together with other peace activists that um, makes my life really a lot better. <laughs> I'm not sitting alone and kind of fretting over everything, but I feel like I'm doing something. But that question is so great because what could we be doing to actually make a big difference, you know? And uh, one thing that Code Pink has responded to on that is that we were taking more of an economic approach than in the past. I don't think it's really worked to appeal to people's values to say we can't be doing war. You know, it's immoral, it's evil. Um, let's divest from war. You know, let's move the money away from the Pentagon. And this has been such a tremendous program today, Dennis, on Flashpoints. Seeley and Harvey Wasserman. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear them and the situation at Diablo. And and then the gentleman you just had on, whose name I've forgotten already. Um, uh, Jeff Cohen. He, Jeff Cohen, a yeah, master. Yeah. Jeff Cohen is the co-founder or the founder of uh, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting. Oh, uh, hey, uh, they put out a newsletter that is really worthy in terms of, yeah. uh, and they really opened up the door to deeply critiquing the press and it's an amazing well, tradition that. that they are part of yeah. yeah i love that and i love roots action and he mentioned the pentagon budget the largest we've ever had in our history yes. and this is under a democratic president so we just um 
have got to move the money out of the military and into a peace economy, what we call a peace economy. Uh, and we even want to try to convince Lockheed Martin to to do peacetime industry instead of what they're doing now because it's it's killing the planet. <laughs> what Lockheed Martin is doing is terrible. Well, that that, that, that would be nice. Now, and it is yeah. true that that the the U.S. military is the number one polluter in the world, right? That's not an exaggeration. It's, it's the number one institutional emitter of, of carbon emissions, greenhouse gases. That's right. And they're not counted as part of the emissions at all. They're not required to to keep that information or share it with us. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you all heard, and this is a statistic. Please check me on it, but I'm almost positive. I, I you know, that there is a new long-range bomber, nuclear bomber. It's got some F numbers and letters and stuff. And each one is a billion dollars. And they already have ordered 30 of them. These are long-range nuclear bombers. Can you imagine spending a billion dollars on a bomber? That's criminal. That is criminal. (laughs) I mean, look at our needs that are going unmet. And and um, your interviewer, interviewee said the same thing. Our needs are going unmet. Things are really upside down. Um, we're going to have a campaign starting this spring on the F-35, which is another boondoggle um, Lockheed Martin is behind. I, I talk about Lockheed Martin a lot because they, they are the worst. They're the biggest war profiteer, and, and they're the worst. They're, they are actually running our foreign policy. Lockheed Martin sits down with Zelensky and does a weapons deal. <laughs> I don't know. And all these real. generals and all these people that people, you know, that appear on all these liberal networks, all these military high commanders, they all are owned by defense contractors. They're all advisors. They're in their own odd ways pushing their weapons. Um, I right. want to thank you again. We're, we're, we're just about out of time, but uh, Cynthia, if people want to know more about Code Pink, either here in the Bay Area or across the country, Best way to track Code Pink, be a part of Code Pink. What do you think? Yeah, go to codepink.org. It's very simple, codepink.org. You will see all of our campaigns. You'll see our action calendar. You'll see how to get involved. Uh, the website is very pink, uh, but we love pink. And, okay, and, pink you know, all the way. Everybody should love pink. All right. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to see you in the streets soon. I can't. I can't stay inside anymore, even though they don't let me go out much. You be safe. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Dennis. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.